0: Hey, what's up, everybody? Welcome to this week's podcast. I've been hard at work doing a bunch of lag testing, reviews, and other stuff, so there's a good amount of stuff to talk about this week, and a lot of it involves that. So hopefully that's still cool with everybody, but let's jump right in. First up, a new firmware was just publicly released for the open-source scan converter that adds the on-screen display that I had shown a few weeks ago. It performs exactly as I'd shown before, which is pretty awesome. Uh, The only thing to note is if you're dialing in custom timings yourself, not using any of the profiles, as you're dialing the timings in, your TV might lose signal for a while, so you're still probably going to want to look at the LCD screen for that. But once everything's dialed in and you have everything tweaked, at that point you just use the on-screen display, select your profile, file and go from there. So it's pretty awesome. Um, also, there's a bunch of updates on the profiles, the new ways to, to put them together and make them. There's a bunch of people working on different things involving it. So uh, that's currently a work in progress that I hope to have a post about before next week's pro- uh, podcast. But I just wanted to give everybody a heads up that Uh, A lot more is coming with this firmware in in mind. So pretty exciting time to own an open source scan converter, especially if you were one of the first adopters back when we didn't even realize 1080p was possible, let alone things like profiles, on-screen display, and all this other awesomeness. So, of course, thanks to Marcus for continuing his awesome support on all of this, and thanks to every member of the community that uh, donates their time for doing profiles, testing, and all that other stuff. Curdy Moto just released a product he's calling the RG bench, which is a pin converter, not a signal converter, designed to interface with oscilloscopes. And essentially it takes SCART VGA and component and breaks it out to a D-sub connector that allows you to use a really short cable so that you could easily interface signals into an oscilloscope. Um, Now, I manually pieced one together with T-connectors and BNC termination and all that stuff via Steve's suggestion, which has been working fine, but I got to admit, this does look a little bit, smoother. Um, I did get to test one out, uh, and in my basic testing, and please understand that I'm as basic as it gets with oscilloscope use, uh, but in my basic testing it was exactly the same. So the voltages were the same. I don't know if it affects anything else. Anything that you put in between an analog signal and its target device will affect its output. But is it going to affect it 0.01% or is it going to actually have any effect on it? And from the testing that I did, as far as voltages goes, it's spot-on identical with, or with this or with other solutions. There's dip switches on it to toggle 75-ohm termination on or off. And you would only want it off if you were using T-connectors and running it into a RGB monitor and uh that actually has termination built into it already, so that 's for people that like to have a, a little monitor sitting next to their scope so they could see it while see what 's on the screen while they 're working on it. Um, I personally think that this is going to be best for people with the Owan scopes because the uh the rigels that you see here. They're pretty great with just basic conversion and stuff like that. Just having the SCART adapter and a T connector and things like that, because you have four signals going in. So you could always have RGBs going into the scope and then out to a monitor. But people with those Owan scopes only have one or two channels to use at a time. So for that setup, uh, you know, plug plug your console or whatever you're testing directly into your monitor. Get to the white screen or a hundred percent color bars if possible and then unplug it and plug it into this, and now you can get a 75-ohm terminated reading. Obviously, make sure the, the, the dip switches are turned on. And I think that will be a massive help for people with the cheaper scopes. And for things like testing arcade voltage and stuff like that, I mean, as far as I could tell, that Owan scope was spot on to the Rigel. So once again, I'm not an expert at these things. I'm sure if you were really digging deep into signal analysis, there might be differences. But I think the majority of people that would want a scope these days want it for safety and testing reasons, especially if you own arcade boards and stuff like that. So this would be the perfect interface between them if you just want an easy pin connector. So I'm always very excited to make scopes easier to use for people because i I really want more people to to see what's going on in their setups once again this is predominantly for arcade setups for consoles as long as you follow the basic steps and suggestions people post you should be fine but anybody who who messes with arcade boards I strongly suggest picking up that cheap scope uh, if you don't want to deal with signal um, termination converters and stuff grab one of these RG benches from cordimoto and learn how to get a really safe signal out of your consoles and uh and out of your arcade boards this week's Rad2X video is how to use the Sega Saturn version, and I didn't just want this to be a beginner video. I wanted this to also be entertaining, or at least somewhat educational for those of us that are intermediate or experts. So, while the beginning two minutes of it is how to plug it in, I also did want to show other fun aspects of it. So, one thing I did is go into, very lightly, just go into dither blending and why there's dots on your screen on a flat screen, and why the dots look different on CRTs depending what cable you use and stuff like that. So, that's something that, even if you're already well aware, you might enjoy the side-by-side comparisons and then of course because apparently you have to uh you have to talk about the m classic if you're a youtuber i threw that in there because clickbait like whatever (laughs) i'm gonna be honest about that and you know i came down kind of hard on people's opinions on it and after going back and reading the comments and other videos i did about the m classic and the m cable i'm really glad i did because there's such a there's such a stigma on both sides. And the truth is, you know, you either like it or you don't. It's either worth $100 or it's not to you. And everybody's going to have a different opinion on that. And it really drives me crazy when when people talk about this thing as if it's some magical device. And it also equally drives me crazy when people accuse Marseille of of being snake oil salesmen that are just out to fool people that don't know the difference Eh, maybe their marketing kind of leans that way but I really I don't get that impression I think they just made a device and and you know obviously they're going to try to make money off it because they're a company but I, I just think it's something that it's either a preference for you or not and for me, my favorite games from the classic consoles are all 2D, so this is completely useless to me. And I think all of my newer games look per- perfectly fine without it. Um, I don't think it hurts the image. I just It's not worth $100 to me. It's just my opinion on it. Make Feel free to make your own opinion. Um, the one thing I will note, though, is the M Classic didn't seem to work at all on the OSSC. I tried Saturn and Super Nintendo. I tried generic profiles as well as... Uh, dialing in custom timings so you know on in every range of that so just basic you know when you flash the ossc with a new firmware tried it just like that tried it with the optimal timings and then a little more backed out generic that helps with compatibility i tried all of the different settings tried different resolutions and it just doesn't work with the ossc So apparently if you want to use the M Classic, you're going to have to use the RetroTINK 2X or the RAD 2X anyway. Um, I did, of course, try to reach out to Marseille about this. They've never responded to a single email of mine. Uh, They've never responded to any tweet of mine. And they didn't seem very happy to talk to me on their booth in Portland. So I don't know. Maybe they're mad at me that I tell the truth. That's fine. I'm not in this to make friends. I'm in this to to try to spread as much real information as possible. So definitely check out the video uh, if you just want to be entertained and and check out different comparisons and stuff like that. Um, But to be honest, my whole opinion on the M Cable and the M Classic is just whatever. I really don't care at all. Uh, I just, you know... I don't know. I I don't have anything else to add to that um, other than it doesn't add lag, which I'll get to next. So a while back, I tested the M-Cable Gaming Edition for lag and found that it didn't have any. But as I very often do, I accidentally skewed the video towards intermediate to experts and forgot to explain what and why everything is. So uh, now that I had the M Classic and I was doing testing for the Rad 2X video anyway, I figured I would do a little bit more detailed uh, of the lag tests. Um, if you haven't watched it yet and you're intermediate or advanced, uh, still like click on it and let it run in the background and get me some clicks here, but you don't need to watch it. It's zero lag in all modes. Um, and when i say all modes all resolutions that are pumped through it uh i showed what happens when you put 240p and 480i through it kind of goes crazy but those are not supported so i'm certainly not blaming marseille for that and i even said that in the video um and i also wanted to clarify milliseconds versus microseconds because that's something a bunch of people last time didn't understand and that's my fault by the way i want to make that very clear i'm not I'm not lag shaming a beginner or something like that. Um, I wanted to make sure that everybody knows that microseconds of lag is absolutely impossible to be detected by your gameplay so there were some people from the smash community last time that said something like oh wow it's got 38 microseconds of lag i'll never use this for gaming and it's it's not their fault that i didn't explain it right it does always crack me up that it seems to be the smash community that that wants to use lag as their excuse when they lose a game i know i'm gonna get i'm gonna get beat up at one of these tournaments one of these days for saying this i know it but i'm just honestly it's never the street fighter crew it's always the smash community Community that, 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 that say things like RGB adds lag and 34 microseconds I don't know where they're hearing this from if there's some like uh, Korolikian YouTuber in the Smash community that's, that's spreading this misinformation maybe politely reach out and explain that none of that's true <laughs> But sorry, I uh, mean, everybody's going to hate me after this week's podcast, but yeah, it's just a zero lag device. Um I did get some comments that didn't understand how the time sleuth worked, so I'll make sure to throw that in- info in next time. Um I mean, I thought it was pretty basic. You hold up a device that reads the light that goes through it, but I am and have always been a nerd, so maybe it's obvious to me and not others, but... Yeah, um, and if you want to hear my thoughts on the M Classic, uh, go back to the section right before this about the Rad 2X. I talked about it at the end of that. If uh, if you're one of the people that skips around the podcast and doesn't just listen all the way through. It's totally cool, by the way. do Listen however you prefer. Just wanted to let you know. Well, after nine years of emails and messages and everything else, I finally got to sit down and meet Rachel and Drew from Retro Access in person. I'd been emailing them since before. Not only was retro RGB not even an idea yet, cousin Scott and I hadn't even started the Google Doc that was the birth of all of this stuff. Uh, I remember asking a few questions and buying some of their earlier cables, and I've kind of seen their whole um their whole evolution from from almost 10 years ago till now and uh they certainly make some great cables it was a blast sitting down and talking with them and hanging out finally after all this time so hopefully people that listen to the interview will enjoy as well as always any interview like this is available audio only as well as a video just like these weeklies i completely understand that uh, most people don't like to listen to long-form stuff on youtube or if they do it's like one of those they leave it on in the browser while they're doing other stuff same way you would an audio podcast or anything like that so um you know if you're into this stuff definitely check it out and feel free to listen any way that you like it's uh as long as it's entertaining i'm happy so thanks very much to rachel and drew for for coming and hanging out with me and uh, hopefully you all enjoyed the interview well here's something I'm very excited about Dan aka Citrus3000PSI has just released his 3DO RGB mod that includes 240p support and it's the first time I've ever used a 3DO that looked this good and it's just a combination of a bunch of things. I go into detail in the video but the short summary is it's a mod that gets you an RGB output that works on every model that doesn't have the Anvil chip and there's only a very small percentage of them that do. Um, The only reason it doesn't work on the Anvil chip is because there's no digital pins they kind of combined everything together to save money so i don't think any rgb mod is possible at all on those units so it's not a limitation of dan's it's just the 3do limitation Um, the 240p switch works perfectly and any other time i'd done the 240p mod i had sometimes issues booting um you know sometimes it wouldn't line up correctly and you'd have to play with the switch it just wasn't an easy experience whereas now All I did was turn it on, leave it in 240p mode, and enjoyed almost every game. A few of them go too fast in 240p, but... Um, I detail that in the video and it's really not a big deal at all Or, or maybe you might even like it if you're playing Wolfenstein who knows but I'm very excited for this because while people love to mock the consoles that failed there are some great games on 3DO it's always been my favorite version of Road Rash even playing it in 480i I still thought it was the best version but now that I'm playing it in 240p it looks straight up like an arcade game um and you know gex i think that's the better version of gex john lineman would probably be the one to to have the final say on that but i i definitely like the gex version on it of course night trap i want to play that every version of that game just because i'm weird and i like that game and there's a few others that are great um and i think way of the warrior is a 3do exclusive and that's kind of a neat like 3do mk clone type of thing it's pretty cool so i'm a a big fan of the 3do for the very few amount of games that i like Uh, and hopefully if you own a 3do you'll pick up a mod like this and if you don't maybe you'll be interested to look into it now the only thing that i would suggest is don't just shit on a console because you think it's funny because other people on the internet say that it always drives me nuts when people shit on the virtual boy or the 3do go ahead and shit on the cdi though that's totally fine kidding kidding you hell don't get all pissed off (laughs) so yeah i don't know i'm obviously very excited about it so happy that i got mine done and uh i did say in the video that they're in stock and apparently a lot of other people feel the same way because they sold out immediately after i launched the video Uh, But Dan already put another order in, he's uh, already taking pre-orders, and um, once this batch comes in, they should still be in stock. So, I was only a little bit wrong, not a lot wrong, so sorry about that. But I'm just very happy that there's more people as excited as I am to finally experience the best you can get out of the 3DO. So, if you're into it, please check out the video. This next one's so weird, I wasn't even sure if it was real at first, and I had to go and reread the post a bunch of times and check with a few other people to make sure this wasn't a hacked account or something. But apparently, this is all true. Apparently, Dunin, the creator of optical drive emulators like the GDMU for the Dreamcast and the two for the different versions of the Saturn, has decided to remove all links to firmware files because people were having issues when updating. Now, at first, I just assumed he meant people are having issues, so I'll pull the firmware files until it's fixed and then repost them, which is a perfectly reasonable thing to do. In fact, I'd call that responsible. Uh, But no, that's not it. He's just pulling the firmware files permanently and is eventually taking down the whole updating section of the website. If you need firmware, you need to email him directly now. But this is the same person that last year, on his own post. This isn't like an internet rumor or a rant on Twitter. His own post on his own website said that if you email him, that bothers him and he'll cancel your order. So I don't get it. I, I I'm really I, I just get the impression that he's just trolling people now. Um, maybe I'm wrong. Maybe I'm not looking at this the right way. But I'm I'm blown away. And I have read this post maybe four or five times, and then I'm I keep reading the comments and i had to stop because of his responses out of all the comments his responses were the worst so i i'd like to hope that his account got hacked or something and this isn't him but i think it is and i'm just i'm baffled i just don't understand so you know i felt genuinely awful when his product got cloned because that's Not supposed to be a reflection upon him. That's supposed to be a reflection upon everybody in the gaming industry. Because what if you're one of those people that quit your job, you're working as hard as you possibly can to get your products out, and then it gets cloned and it's all over Amazon. Like, that's awful. I mean, that's, that's awful for anybody. And luckily, you know, apparently he has a day job that he does very well in, and this is just a hobby to him, and he calls his devices toys that people don't need. You could read that. I'm not making that up. Uh so I don't I don't really know. I'm so sad that his stuff got cloned. I don't know if this is just anger as a result of all of that. But if you're you know, if you're in the gaming field, there are people out there that are trying to look out for you to make sure stuff doesn't get cloned. And there's stuff going on right now that people are working on trying to make it safer to make hardware products. Uh I'll go into detail that about that in a few weeks, but it just The only tips I can give is if you make products and you sell them to the retro gaming community, read through every one of Doonan's posts and treat that as a very detailed guide on what not to do and how not to treat your customers (laughs) because every single step of the way has been just baffling and mind-blowing. So sorry if anybody here is friends with him. I've tried reaching out before, and he was friendly to me but didn't want my help, didn't care. So I I just don't get it. Um, Hopefully... Hopefully he's just going through a rough spot and pissed about the cloning and just trolling everybody and doesn't actually feel this way about his customers in the retro gaming community. Because if he does, that's pretty terrible. Darksoft has just released two new firmwares for both the Multi-MVS and the Multi-AES Neo Geo ROM carts. And it looks like the firmwares bring them both up to about the same speed as far as features. Over the past few months, there was a couple of little things that were only available on the AES and vice versa. And it looks like both are now equal in features. And it looks like loading times have been improved on both, which... To be honest, it was already pretty fast, but I really like that darksoft's always trying to tweak every little bit he can on these things so um, you know if you're an owner of either of these carts, I would recommend checking out the post just to see if there's any features that specifically address anything you've been seeing but to be honest, with stuff like this, I always recommend just getting the firmware update and and you know and seeing how it works, especially because they are all free updates, so it's not like you have to pay for any new features or anything like that so Awesome that Darksoft is sticking with it. I have the AES version at Cousin Scott's house now, so I don't I wasn't able to test this myself, but I'm certainly looking forward to it. And lastly, Lazy Game Reviews just posted a video on how they record CRT computer monitors. And I found it fascinating and infuriating. <laughs> infuriating only because I run into the same problems. Certainly not uh, nothing wrong with their video. But I think anybody that's tried to get video of CRTs knows exactly what I meant by that statement. Um, it's funny, too, because when I started the website, uh, I didn't... I didn't have a firm grasp on video capture. I think I'm pretty good at it now. I'm not as as good as a lot of other people, but I could take a Sega Genesis signal and do a direct RGB capture and be able to capture video and still images that are a true representation of what the signal is. But that was a lot of work to get to that point. So... Back when I started, I, you know, I'd use a cheap capture card and all of these comparisons would look the same. So I'd end up using a DSLR to do the comparisons and that would be accurate. But switching from pictures to video is a giant difference. And a lot of the things like the moire patterns, I can never say that word right, uh, and things they talk about in the LGR video are something I deal with all the time. And anybody that even just saw the Rad 2X video saw all of the. Terrible CRT footage in there. I really spent quite a lot of time getting it as good as I could. And, you know, things like reflections, unless you have a full dark room, you're probably never going to get perfect, but still. It's such a pain, and uh, I enjoyed the video. I liked some of the tips that Clint went into. I'm gonna try them myself. I think the easiest thing is a polarizing filter to see how that works. I try to do as little in post-processing as possible. I'd rather do things like set the white balance to an all-white screen in the CRT, and uh, and really get get everything set up on camera for a bunch of reasons I won't bore you with, but uh, I, I really wanna nail down what's the best way to get footage of CRTs. And, and get a list of cameras and a list of lenses and stuff that, that could be good enough to do this. One of the things that Clint talked about was that the GH5, the camera that I own, and I specifically bought because that's what my peers use, um, is missing a filter that's in the GH5S, which I didn't buy because I was trying to save some money. Stupid mistake. I should have learned... I should have always learned from things like buying the, the cheap knockoff soldering station and desoldering station. You know, if you could spend a little more to get a lot more, do it. But, eh. So, I don't know. Maybe one day we could have something like a roundtable discussion with some of the, the people that... uh that really do an amazing job on that. So obviously, Digital Foundry, My Life in Gaming, Phone Dork. Uh, Phone Dork hasn't put out that many videos recently, but his are still awesome. So he's no no respect lost just because he hasn't put out a video, you know. And obviously, I would love to have Clint on there too, and just sit there and discuss this stuff because I would certainly be willing to invest in a camera just for CRT footage. If that meant I had to sell the GH five, whatever, I'll deal with that. But having a camera that I could yeah, you know, I could always use and a couple of tricks to get as good CRT footage as possible. I think would be a big deal, and one of the things that I've wanted to do forever now is a video showing how different CRTs change the look of things. So even just an exact same model uh, Sony PVM, but 14 inch versus 20 inch, you know, that's a different look to a game or to video and same things between aperture grill and shadow mask and different sizes. And it's, there's always going to be huge differences and things in line counts, of course. And I would really love to do a video about all of that, but I wouldn't be able to do it justice. I wouldn't even try nowadays. So, um, yeah. Anybody's thoughts on shooting CRTs? There's a lot of people that that tweet at me and that post in the comments that post such amazing info, and it's always appreciated. <laughs> By the way, I gotta—I know I'm off topic here, but even if I might be like not so enthusiastic at the moment, I swear I always really appreciate it. But yeah, I don't know. It's a—it's a subject. It's a sore subject for me because it's something I really want to get right and never have. So video of CRTs as high quality as possible, you know. But maybe I'll get the ball rolling somehow and try to start this discussion with the people that are really the, the biggest uh, contributors to this in the scene. But any suggestions, I'm all ears and I'll, I'll stop ranting now. Well, that's it for this week. As always, thanks so much to everybody who watches, listens, participates in the comments, and of course, to everybody who supports. Because whether it's Subscribestar, P- Patreon, whatever, all of that support is what's keeping these going, as well as all of the behind-the-scenes research and all of the crazy stuff we have going on, which hopefully will start to trickle more into the public light a little bit quicker than uh, than it has been. But either way, I just a genuine heartfelt thank you to all of you, and I'll see you next week you <laughs>